Well, it's not every day you get to go for a pint with an original cast member from The Bill. I am lucky enough to be doing that today in the Counting House in East London. I'm joined by a very fine actor who played The Bill's nicest ever copper. He's done an awful lot since then, and I can't wait to hear all about it. So put your podcast hands together for Mr. Ashley Gunstock. Ashley, welcome to the Bill Podcast. Thank you very much indeed. (laughs) It's such a pleasure. I mean, before we go down memory lane, I'm very intrigued to know is a a new film that you've been working on, uh, The My Life Story, The Suggs. Is it a documentary? Is it a drama documentary? Well, he actually wrote a play which he toured and he decided to make a film of it. And uh, it's uh, Suggs, My Life, and it's all about his past uh, before... He actually became quite renowned yeah. uh, for being in madness and uh, all the way through. And I ended up getting um, a part in it. Uh, last minute, my agents phoned up and said, um, I'd like to go and see the producer and the casting director of this Suggs movie to play the part of a registrar where Suggs goes in Birmingham. All right. So I was told that I ought to put on a Birmingham accent which I did, yeah, and I got the part, and uh, it's pretty good going as far as I'm concerned, being an East Londoner. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and uh, I spent I spent a, you know afternoon with uh, Suggs, oh, just cool. he and I across a desk, going through the fact that he got information about his father and you know, how he died and you know, what had happened to him before he actually did leave the earth, and it was quite poignant actually. Yeah. He, he knew exactly what he wanted to do with the part, yeah. very much in the, in the style of Alfie. So he was looking to camera every now and again while uh, the, the scene was going on and then coming back to me and asking me the questions and then sort of doing a little bit of a monologue and coming back again. And it was, it was just intriguing to, to get a snippet of his life like yeah. that. And uh, when I first met, uh, met him on the shoot, he said to me... Welcome, and I said, oh, I think we're going to get on together because I'm, I'm a Chelsea fan of 50 years. Right. He said, Oh, you support Chelsea? I said, Yes. And the producer parked up and said, I do as well. So I had a oh, good day a good on, company, the, on, yeah. the, on, the, uh, on the production. So, oh, wonderful. Yeah, so, fabulous. I, I just jumped at the chance of doing it. You yeah. Know, someone I'd grown up with you know, whose music it was a backdrop to, to my. To my twenties, you know, it was really good. Well, how about your life story? How how did your life begin? Well, I was surprised to know that Diane Keaton is now doing a rom com called Hampstead. Yes, that's right. Because that's where I was born, oh. right opposite. I say I'm in East London, and my dad's roots are from East London, but um, we moved to North London, and I ended up getting born um, in a. A nursing home, the Queen Victoria nursing home opposite Whitestone Pond. And we lived in Hendon my early part of my life, uh, moved to Middlesex for a while, came back to North London where I lived until I was 40. Uh, I got married uh, when I was uh, 38 and uh, we moved over to East London which is where I'm back. So it's almost full circle. Yeah. Uh, and I have a son of 18. And strangely enough, He's just found out 
that he's going into the police force. No way! Yeah. He wanted to do it as a child. Uh, I don't think it's in any way thanks to my performances <laughs> on the bill whatsoever. <laughs> but as a parent, you think, okay, policeman, fire engine, driver, Bob the Builder, whatever, he'll grow out of it. But he never did, and he enjoyed all the police programmes, and it's the forensic side that intrigues him most. So we trolled him round the universities, and all the students who were showing us around were so energetic and enthusiastic, and I looked at him, and I said, "Uh, this isn't for you, is it? Uh, He was just totally underwhelmed. He said, no, I want to go straight in, Mm. not accrue a a debt, earn while I'm on the job, Mm. and uh, got the ladder that way. And that's how he's doing it. Oh. We found out, we found out yesterday. Oh, well, congratulations. That's yeah, fantastic. I was really chuffed, yeah. really chuffed for him because it's what he's wanted to do and that is what, we, that is what we'd hoped for him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Didn't wow. want to sausage machine him through the education system, force him to go to university, ensure that he got degrees and then come out for what you know yeah mm. good for him yeah so where will he be based when he's doing that first of all he's got to go to police training college at hendon (laughs) he's got many a plug in the bill yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. and uh he's starting um in september right and then he's straight in you must Uh, be very proud i am i am really extremely proud of him because he's doing what he wants to do and he's really you know worked hard for it um when you were his age, did you know you wanted to get into acting? Was that always the intention? No, it wasn't. I had no idea what I wanted to do. And the only way, reason I got into acting was because I left school, worked in a bank. And we're talking about the early 70s. Yeah. Had I stayed in banking, I think I would have been quite wealthy. Yeah. I went from there into computing. And had I stayed in computing, <laughs> I probably would have been quite wealthy. Yeah. But both of them weren't for me, and while I was there, I, I was sort of putting my hair out. And a member of my family said to me, why don't you find yourself a hobby? I said, well, I've got a hobby, football. He said, no, no, something other than that, you know, that's a given for you, so mm. find something else. And there was a poster for a production that they were going to do in, it was then the Middlesex Polytechnic, it's now a university, but it was a polytechnic where I was doing computer operating. Ah. and it was for the students so I went along and I did this reading and the, one of the drama teachers pulled me out and one of the students and said I'd like you two to be in The Dumb Waiter by Harold Pinter and it bit me and I said to him can I earn money doing this and he said that's doubtful but if you want to get into it I'll give you a hand and he uh, helped me with my audition speeches for drama school and I got into the arts education in the Barbican, and my contemporaries were Carolyn Quentin and Martin Clunes. Oh, amazing. Yeah, it was. Wow. It was fantastic, and it was two of the best academic years of my life, and I came out, and not long afterwards, after doing a few pieces of fringe work and getting the old theatre, the old episode on a television programme, I got the bill. And I remember, I was thinking today, while, before I came here, I, I, I so vividly remember the interview. I remember what I was wearing. I, I met Peter Crugine and Pat O'Connell, the producer and the casting director, respectively. 
And I remember them say, asking me, what do you think of the police? And I said, well, as far as I'm concerned, they're a race apart. And like all races, there's good and bad in, in everyone. Mm. I've got no problems with the police. And I remember the interview going so well, and I got to the mezzanine floor going down the stairs at Teddington, and I remember going, yes! I just don't know why, I, I, I knew I'd got it. And it was only for one episode, but they'd said, you know, you like us and we like you, you'll probably be seen quite a bit. Because, I mean, you're, you're in the very first scene. Yes. In the station. Got yeah. a lovely bit of business with Eric Richards. He's yeah. coming in to start the day. Yeah, yeah. Can you remember that first day film? Again, very, very vividly. I think it was my first day. And they wanted the people in the room where the information was going to be given by Eric Richard to be laughing as he came in. You know, just a bit of atmosphere. Has anybody got a joke? So, I told this joke... And they had to do a retake because the cameraman, everybody was laughing too loud and the cameraman was shaking so much that they, he, he lost focus oh. and they had to do a retake um, of, uh, of the beginning of the scene. Was there a lot of pressure for you guys? Because the way it was groundbreaking, wasn't it? There yeah. had never been anything like this mm. on TV. I mean, it changed yeah. the face of, of telly. So yeah. was there a lot of pressure for you all as well? Well, every, everybody seemed to get into it. It was really weird. It almost hit the ground running. I mean, and, and, and they sensed that they were in on something, you know, innovative, and, and that, that was, was going to be a, a hit. And being professional actors, many of them having, having had, you know, drama school training, you tend to know what, what to expect uh, because you, you do a lot of improvisation. I actually remember that there, there was, uh, after the first episode went out, there was uh, a review, and the critic had said, you know, it was really good for a first show out. He said, but you can't imagine any of this lot doing Shakespeare. And at the next scene, I looked around at all the actors, and I thought, well, yes, you can, actually. Yeah. You can. And I got to speak to one of the producers after I'd left, many years later, and I said, I've got an idea for some plays, Shakespeare plays, that I'd like to do with members from the cast of the bill. The, the whole production is called Shakespeare Fits the Bill. Nice. And he, he was up for it, but they couldn't coordinate the times to allow the actors that I'd have needed at any one time to rehearse the thing mm. because of the filming. Right. But he, he was up for it. He really was. Maybe we could do it now. Well... Could do it now, I suppose, now that they've left. Yeah. Maybe if we, if we get a resurgence of popularity from it in some way. After, I mean, does it follow you around even now, the bill? Yeah, very occasionally. And it surprises me, as it surprised me then. Mm. Uh, I, I used to walk through the tube stations and, you know, people sort of looking at me and double-taking. And I used to do I do I know you? But it's obviously a subliminal thought that's come to their head that they think they've seen me somewhere before and, and, and maybe not associated me with the bill, but the fact that I've been on perhaps the evening before. Or, and now and again, people remember me. And, and that, it surprises, and surprises and pleases me greatly, actually. Yeah. And, and how similar are you to Robin Frank? What did you enjoy about playing him? Well, someone said, you know, when it comes to casting, you don't have to put very much down 
but the fact that you're over six foot and play coppers. <laughs> and you know the role, the copper roles have gravitated towards me. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, prior and since. Yeah. Um, so, I, I did find a, I, I did find a certain joy in it. I did. I, I mean, it was one of the, the, the you know the, the, the best acting times in my life because it started out as almost like a repertory theatre company. I mean, we all, all, all socialised together, you know, after the, after the shoot, we'd go out for a drink, maybe go on for a, a dinner, maybe go on to a club. Yeah. You know, that, that was just a regular thing, you know, and we'd hook up from time to time, be out with each other. So the, the, the social aspect of it actually gave it some, you know, gravitas. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, yeah, I, I did enjoy the part. I did enjoy it. And, and, and I, put, I put quite a bit of me in it. In fact, there, there was a character breakdown early on. And uh, that, that, apart from the fact that they said I came from Southampton for some reason, I don't know why, they said that I was engaged to a nurse. Well, I had to be engaged to a midwife at the time. I mean, not that they'd have known at all. Other than that, they, they, they were spot on. And, and the tagline was possibly another crier so I'm not too sure whether or not they had me lined up for the long haul but I was a young actor and I wanted to do more and uh, with, with a heavy heart I, I, I left because you had a really interesting and I don't know how this worked with your contract because you're one of the very few people in those early days who were like you're doing a bill but you were like starring in two sitcoms and, and dramas at the same time yeah so how did that work out <laughs> Well, I've got this saying, when you're hot, you're hot, and when you're not, you're not. And it just so happened that I went to auditions with confidence, yeah. went to castings, you know, feeling, you know, if this doesn't come off, I'm just going back to the bill. And it just so happened that at ITV, there was a film editor who started to do some directing. He got me in on the first one without meeting me on the bill and then he happened to be walking through the studios one day and I said hi how are you doing he said yeah I'm fine I said what are you doing next and he told me I said is there anything in it for me and he went actually there is wow. and I got the role there and there Fantastic. so was that the setbacks or was that that was casting off the setbacks was the first one that I got and then he remembered me for that and gave me casting off was that in front of a studio audience, or was it done? Uh, we did we uh, we did the setbacks. I think was studio. The other one went just uh, to film. Right. And yeah. what's what's that experience like filming in front of a, a live audience, but also performing for the camera? Or do you have to take both into account? Yeah. I, I, the thing is, is that I I love performing live, and so doing it in front of a live audience, filming in front of a live audience, as long as I'm, I'm hitting my marks, yes. then, you know, it's no, not a problem for me. To get live feedback is the greatest thing. And if you've got an audience in the palm of your hand and, you know, you're being filmed as well, well, <laughs> yeah. bingo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they started to give you more of a, the comedy moments yeah. in the bill. Yeah. I mean, I was cracking up watching it. It's an episode called Suspects where you're, you're carrying a, a lamb. Yes, and then, then, then the leg. Someone nicks a leg off your lamb. Yeah, it's just genius. 
delivery on your part. Someone's nicked a leg of mine. <laughs> well, yeah, but the funny, funny thing about that is, is that I could have got more out of that. I think I got it because of that joke. Yeah, yeah. I think they, they realised that I had some measure of comic timing, so they gave me that. And I played it, I felt I played it too seriously. Where it's, uh, if I, I should have gone for the slapstick, so that, you know, I was swinging around with this thing and people were ducking out <laughs> the way and, you know, things were getting knocked all over the place and the Sarge was going nuts because I <laughs> messed up his records or whatever. But it, I, I, I just thought, oh no, I can't do that. I'm going to have to restrain yeah. it a little bit. And uh, so. That, that was one comic moment I, I you know, should have grabbed by the horns. Oh, it's still very funny. Thank you. I, mean, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I loved that. Oh. I mean, uh, and especially because there's a moment you're with Nuala Conwell. And, and Nuala, of course, had been in Only Fools and Horses. Yeah. Why weren't you in Only Fools and Horses? You'd have been perfect for Only Fools and Horses. Well, I, uh, someone actually likened me. In fact, one of the things that I got for the BBC... The, the producer-director, Robin Nash, he went to my agent via the casting director to ask if if I was the one that looked a little bit like Nicholas Lindhurst. Oh, right. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh. I don't know how much like Nicholas Lindhurst I do look like, <laughs> but um, I, I'm sure we would pass for brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I got the, that role as well, so... Oh, wow. Yeah. Another fun moment I like, an episode called Home Beat... Frank is revealed to be the crime prevention officer, and, yeah. and you, Peter Ellis, has to try and talk to the local community. Yes, I remember. That. And they all have a big argument, and a lovely actress stands up and says, "Oi, he's come to talk about neighbourhood watch, not dog shit." <laughs> <laughs> Who were the actors you particularly admired? Who did you think was doing really wonderful work? Well, I obviously think Eric Richard. He he was doing sterling work throughout. He always did. You know, it was ideal for that role, mm. and uh, Trudy. Yeah, Trudy was a fabulous actress. I, I, it's going to be a roll call because yeah. they, they 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 were all superb actors. They were they were all superb. I suppose it's that chemistry you all had in real life that helped. It was it was yeah. on the screen. It's there for everyone to see. Yeah. You know? Had you seen, you know, previous shows like Dixon, Doc Green and Zed Cars, had you grown up with them? And it's funny, I remember, I remember Dixon and Doc Green and Evening All and I remember Zed Cars and it, 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 that was my childhood. I had an episode that you, you probably know where I got shot. Yeah, it's called Hostage. Yes. I was pulled in by the producer and he said, look, um, as you've seen in the script, you get shot in this episode, but we're not writing you out. You do survive. just thought I'd let you know that in case you were a bit worried that we were trying to write you out. And it turned out that I was the first ever policeman to be shot on screen in a police television series. Dixon and Doc Green had got shot, but that that was a film. film. That, that was a bit of history. Yeah. That, uh, I, I, I'm very proud of. Very proud yeah. of. And survived. You're like, you yeah. know, <laughs> Bill's Captain Scarlet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> keep him down. I mean, that's an extraordinary episode, that one. Uh, mm. when the fina- I mean, Eric Richard there is sublime. They all open fire and, and shoot him. And he's desperately trying to get this guy to put the shotgun yeah. down. He's a fine actor. And, and he said to me I, I've been gifted in that I've been able to play a leading role in so many episodes yeah. of the bill. And you've worked together more recently as well. Yeah. Yeah. Doing, doing 
He and I had been trying to find a vehicle that we both could get involved with, and I found a play, or a friend of mine found a play many years ago that had been on my shelves for quite a while that I wanted to do. And finally Eric said, yeah, this is something I could get into. And we did it at the Leicester Square studio, so we're in the West End with it. And I finally got to play the role in it that I wanted to, Count La Rouge, a bit of a vagabond. <laughs> and Eric directed it. Wow. And he's a very good director. Must help having a... A director who is an actor yeah. can understand from your point of oh. view and push you in the right way. Yes, and... you know he he was like that on the bill with me. Mm. You know he knew I was a young actor. You know still trying to make my way in in the world. You know without sort of lauding it, he he would suggest things and you think that is so simple. Why why didn't I think of it? And the reason you don't is because he's like a a good football manager keeping it simple stupid the kiss method and that, and and he he was like that when he directed me recently in these other two things a modern day version of the merchant of venice the trial of the jew shylock yeah yeah well what what happened there is that i suggested it to eric in fact we were working on something else and he said that's going to take quite some time is there anything else that you can think of we could be doing and I said, well, I've always wanted to do a modern-day version of The Merchant of Venice. And I could see the lights go on behind his eyes. And he said, OK. And I told him we, we, we wanted to express, obviously, the, the anti-Semitism, mm-hmm. the racism and the greed. But we wanted it to have a much more understated wealth feel about it. So you knew these people had money, but they weren't blinging it. And he said, let me go away and work on that. And he came back with this cut-down script uh, and got it down to six actors. Right. Six actors, you know, doubling and trebling parts. And we put it on at the Rosemary Branch Theatre and it was really successful. Yeah, got some very, very good reviews for that. I've got one right here. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley Gunsock does a remarkable job of showing the humanity and the complexity of a man constantly objectified by everyone around him. His delivery of the half-not-a-Jew-eyes speech and the final forced conversation scene are particularly stunning. That's a pretty good review, isn't it? Yeah, I know. It makes me go cold thinking about that now. I didn't realise it at the time. I was doing a special role, there was no doubt about that, and I I felt that I was doing something with it. I felt I knew that the character, because having played Hamlet as well, you, you find that Shakespeare isn't black and white. And mm. He's very, very grey and, and dark, and, and then there's light elements that come in. And you know, I mean, he's almost like film noir for me. For me, Hamlet wasn't mad or. Uh, playing mad he was skating along the line between the two vacillating between madness and and uh, reality and sanity and the same with Shakespeare his interpretation of Shylock being a man who was so obviously avaricious in his in his desire to make money because that via the only route available to him because in those days there were money lenders needed for the economy, but the Christians couldn't do it, so someone had to do it, so you give it to the Jew to do it, and borrow the money from him and kick him around the block. Mm. And so there's that uh, necessity, there's the humanity, there's the disgust, everything was just 
there and rich to, to grab onto. Yeah. I, I, I didn't think I could fail with the role. I just didn't want to make a hash of it you know, in front of an audience. And it turned out that they liked it. So. Absolutely. Yeah, another one. Uh, Ashley Gunsock plays Charlotte with a gleeful sense of spite and vitriol. It's all grist to the mill. It's, it, yeah. it, I mean, the thing is, is that what is so what is so lovely is that reviewers, when when they know what they're talking about, mm. tend to get what an actor is trying to do. You can accept when a reviewer says, you know, that, that was a heap of garbage because, and then give definite reasons for it, rather than just trashing it because they don't like it. You can go and see something and appreciate it for what it is, even though it's not to your taste. Unfortunately, you find some reviewers go along with a preconceived idea or opinions of their own about what they think is good and what they think is bad because of what they like or dislike. But people who come along and are prepared to be swayed, that's what you need. The bill, you went from that transition of a three-hour-long series to then it's a half-hour, twice-a-week yes. serial drama. So what was that transition like for you guys? And suddenly, I mean, your part grew. You're doing 12 episodes a year to suddenly doing 30 odd a year, you know. Yeah. So what was that transition like for all of you? Well, it was brilliant to start with. It was, it was fa- fascinating because what, in fact, had happened with the bill was... Thames were trying to find something to rival EastEnders because the EastEnders were running away with the ratings. And after three series, they had something that they could, they could market. And they boxed really cleverly with it because um, in those days, there weren't remote controls for televisions. Mm. So their thinking was, we won't put it on at the same time as EastEnders to try and get their ratings what we'll do is we'll put it on after EastEnders that way people will watch EastEnders and then they'll switch over and watch the bill and if they are couch potatoes they won't bother to get up and turn the channels (laughs) over and they'll stick with ITV for the rest of the evening and that will please our investors so you know, that's, 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 that was their thinking, which was brilliant. And we knew that, they were, that that's what they were doing. Mm. And, it, and it was great to be able to do these contained little episodes as well. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, and feel that you, was, you, you were going into soap territory, if you like. Absolutely. But after a while, you know, that you, you tend to start to churn them out. Mm. And that's, that's when I, I felt I'd, I'd done what I'd wanted to do on the, on the programme. Mm. And it was time to move on. And before you moved on, you did get your own episode where you're centre stage with Nick Redding, yeah. Quick and the Dead, yeah. uh, which is still a cracker, isn't it? It's great well, fun. It was. It was fabulous. In fact, that episode made me sad, you know, about the decision that I'd made to leave because it was such a good episode. And I'm not talking about just for me, but generally. Yeah. As I say, I left with a heavy heart. Mm. You get the drum beat. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big tick, isn't it? I know, you know it get is. the drums. <laughs> it is. You see, the thing is, is that I, I never picked it up when I was doing the programme. Mm. And I just did it and let it, let, you know, let it go out there. Yeah. yeah that was it. I, I, I'd done my episode, you know, let's see what happens. <laughs> you know, it, it's a, a pleasant surprise for, for, you know, people to come and, you know, say that they, they enjoyed it. I, and when you when you contacted me, I thought, wow, there's there's a guy who's really sort of 
passionate about the thing, yeah. and then you know, there's probably a lot of people out there like you, and oh, that, yeah. that is really rewarding. Oh, they're all over, all over the world, you know. Mm. I mean, I would tweet that we've met up today, and people would be really, really excited yeah. and jealous, you know. <laughs> that I've got to sit here and have a pint with you, you know. It's, oh, it's, it's magic. Come on, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get out of this room. It's such a small door. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd made your decision to go yeah. um, they, they obviously persuaded you back for a couple because in like series 5 you're, you're back you're, your last line which is probably my favourite of yours because yeah. you delivered it with a plom someone's coming in about a fine and you say it's going to cost you £2.50 can you get that mutts off the counter please sir? <laughs> <laughs> it's a cracker yeah I know. Um, but then immediately after you, um, you did an episode of Birds of a Feather, so yeah. you know it was a good, a, a good decision. I perhaps should have stayed for. Uh, what in fact had happened is, is that I, my agent, um, knowing that I wanted to leave, um, got me a deal that I hadn't, uh, that, that, that nobody else on the programme had got. You were given uh, six months with an option of six months. Now the option's not for you; it's for the for the television company. Right. Obviously, if it doesn't work out, then they will let you go if you, you're not happy. But it is for the television company to decide whether or not they, they're going to keep you or, or, or let you go. And my agent told the casting director before agreeing the last contract that I might be deciding to leave. So I'll take the six months without the option. Towards the end of the six months, I got the casting director come over to me and say, said to me, well, so you're on for the next six then? And I said, sorry. He said, I've just been on the phone with your agent and they've agreed that you're, you're staying on for another six months. And I said, there must have been a bit of a mix-up there because I, I, I unfortunately I haven't agreed that. Mm. And in the end, I didn't stay for the six months, but I probably should have done Right. You know, if it, as it was agreed, I should have done and, and then said, that's it, for sure, I'm leaving. But because of this six months without the option, there, there was, you know, uh, confusion in the works and uh, that deal was put on the table and I, I, I probably should have said, okay, I'll do mm. another six months and then leave. But uh, I, I went and I, I did other stuff. Yeah. Well, you, it's interesting because you, you played a football fan in Birds of a Feather yeah. really after. And on the football theme, you are an FA coach, is that yeah. right? Yeah. So tell me about that. That's amazing. Right. <laughs> I have a son yeah. and uh, he started to take an interest in football. So we took him to a football club and the dads were involved with... In fact, the, 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 the man who ran the, owned the club is a uh, goalkeeper, an ex-goalkeeper called Peter Hucker. Now, football aficionados will remember him as the QPR goalkeeper that played in the FA Cup final against Spurs. Oh, right. um, and they lost to, uh, QPR lost to Spurs 1-0 to a Glenn Hoddle penalty. He was subsequently transferred to Man United. So, right, okay. Uh, he'd been in the game quite a bit and he had this football club where I live. And so we took my son there and he was playing for one of the teams and I just walked over to him one day and I said so Peter who's going to be managing the teams he went well you're managing one for a start so I said okay yeah uh, I'll, I'll do that and 
to be quite honest, I, you know, it's not a hard, it wasn't a hardship for me because I love the game mm. and I think I know a bit about the game. But at that time, I thought I'd better go and find out a bit more, and I took a, an FA coaching course, oh. and I got up to I just missed out on my level three, in fact, which is quite quite high. And uh, I, I coached him and his team, and uh, I, I'd done coaching prior to that um, for a men's team in North London where I, I, I was living. So it wasn't as if I'd done it cold. Mm. And I've subsequently coached teams since, and we've got promotions and won trophies. So wow. I feel I do something right in that that area yeah, as well. Yeah, and well, I mean the acting continued. I mean you've got two credits. I'd love to chat about. I mean you, the police theme continued onto the big screen, yeah. and you've got like fantastic amount of screen time with Bill Murray. In the man who knew too little. Uh, yes, I did. Yeah. And Joanna, Joanna Wally Kilmer. Yeah, yeah. And there are stories galore there as well. <laughs> yes, I mean, unbelievable. Okay, so I, <laughs> I go to the read through, which was at the old Hampstead Town Hall. It was actually almost derelict at the time, but and it's been tarted up no end for functions now. But this film company, what Warner Brothers, got it for uh, a song, and we did the read through there and they had a, this amazing buffet and I love my food yeah. so I went from one end of the table to the other scoffing myself silly and all of a sudden I hear hi and I look up and Bill Murray's standing there and I've got a face full of food and I'm like hi <laughs> shaking his hand and he introduced himself to me I introduced myself to him we went sat down did the read through and I just thought to myself I'd like to speak to him, but everybody's going to want a piece of him, so I'm not going to approach him. Uh, and, and if we have to deal with each other, that's great. I'm not going to be pushy. And on one night shoot, he has to drive this Mini. And on one night shoot, we just happened to be standing in the same area. And he was uh, to my right. And he suddenly said to me, I love the Mini, great car. And I started to talk to him about minis, and I said, if you really like minis and films with minis, have a look at the Italian job. And we, we hit it off. Oh. And I thought, by not doing what everybody probably does, I've got to speak to someone whose work I really admire. And it was such a thrill. And he invited me to his leaving party afterwards. And uh, he came over and introduced himself to my fiance at the time. And advised us, go to somewhere hot for your honeymoon, you know. <laughs> and uh, he was just a lovely guy. And then one day I'm walking along Hoban High Street and I hear, oh, Constable. And he is leaning out of a Mercedes that from a shoot, hi. No uh, unbelievable. I just saw it just out the blue. Wow. And so that, that's, you know, as an actor, you, you get moments that people only dream of. Yeah. And to see him then and there after, you know, the time we'd had on The, the, the Man Who Knew Too Little, it was, it, it was a great experience for me then, even as an older actor. Yeah. And when it comes to Joe and Wally Kilmer, oh, we had to sit in a car for two hours together. Yeah. Shame. Huh? <laughs> uh, and I first thing I said to her is that we've met before and I saw her... As if to say, here's someone else who's going to hit on me. I really don't need this. 
And then I told her, you were in the play Kate with my friend David John at the Bush Theatre in the 80s. And she went, oh my God, oh. And I said, yeah, and we went out for dinner together after. She said, yes, I remember it. And we sat in there talking oh. and shooting the breeze for two hours. And it just went like that. And she remembered me at Bill's party as well. And oh. said, Ashley, Ashley, can you know. And so, you know, I mean, someone who's... An actor from North London meets Hollywood stars. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? You don't, you, you, you just, you can't write it. Mm. You can't write it. Well, one of my uh, screen heroes, again, you get to work with, you did an episode of Inspector Morse. Yeah. And uh, you had a lovely scene with the late, great John Ford. Yeah. What was he like? Yeah. Good to work with, good to work with. I, again, it's, it's the improvisation of actors that I, I love and I could have just played the scene flat mm. so that all he had to do was just hand me the keys and leave his car and go and park it but I put a bit of edge in it and he returned it and I thought yes this is what is so good this is what I love yeah. you know it, 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 rather than say can I park your park car sir it's you know I was, it was one of these sort of smarmy you know, yeah. valets thought oh yeah so <laughs> want me to park your car yeah I'm doing you a favour I'll do that yeah. and he just he yeah. went for it. Yeah. That's good. I, I, another story on byproduct of that. I've got a friend who's like you about the bill. He's the same about Inspector Morse. We go out for drinks, myself, he, and, and some other friends I've known since I was 15. I was 15. Wow. Around this area. And we laugh and we joke and one thing and another. And one of them sort of jokingly got a little bit uh, aggressive with me. And my mate said, you can't talk to him like that. He's been on Morse. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. In terms of acting, what, what are your, your hopes and ambitions for the future? Because you're a multifaceted human being. It's, yeah. it's, it's not just acting. You, you teach. Yeah. You're heavily involved with the Green Party as well. So yes. where does acting sit for you now? Um, what have you got coming up? What... Well, I've just got through another general election yeah. so now that's over unexpected but over uh, thankfully mm. uh, I, I will be uh, not doing any politicking until uh, the beginning of 2018 for May after that I will be doing another version of The Merchant of Venice oh cool yeah what in fact happened is, is that I recently did a production of Romeo and Juliet yes. at the Rose Playhouse Theatre. Another gift for an actor to be working on the site where Shakespeare's actors and he did work. And I played Lord Capulet in that. And the director, in fact, her father came out to me and said, my daughter wants to work with you again. And I said, I want to work with your daughter again. And we are and um, she's agreed to direct this new version of The Merchant of Venice it's an, a, a, coming from a totally different angle to the one that we did oh wow that's exciting yeah I can't give too much away because uh, I'd like to keep the wraps on that for a little while watch this space yeah yeah. well what, what is your message to fans of a bill you know you're, you, you looked at this DVD cover earlier that you were on and I hope it gives you a satisfying feeling that your work is still being enjoyed 30 plus years later. 
people all over the world are still enjoying PC Robin Frank. Does that give you a nice feeling? It does. A warm glow. Definitely does give me a warm glow. I know it's a phrase that's been used quite a lot, especially by politicians, but it's quite a humbling experience to know that. I didn't realise it. I mean, you've actually brought that to me. I didn't realise that that still survived uh, all these years. And it's, uh, it's uh, something I, I will treasure, for sure. Listeners are getting to enjoy this for free, and uh, you've very generously given your time for free. Is there a charity that's particularly close to you that you, if people feel so inclined they can donate some cash to? I would say Crisis, the homeless charity. Mm. Mm. I think there's far too much of it around at the moment. Mm. And unfortunately there's a dearth of housing and there are people on the streets. There are too many of them. And I think Crisis do a wonderful job trying to stem the tide. So if anybody is prepared to put money out there, yeah, Yeah. I'd urge them to do that. Brilliant. I'll, I'll pop a link on at the end. Thank you. Um, well, an exciting year ahead. Your son's going to be walking the beat, following in your screen footsteps. Yeah. It's exciting. Uh, you're going to be back on stage. I shall be in the audience. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Thank I you. shall be there. In the meantime, Ashley Gunsock, thank you so much for your time and for taking a trip down memory lane with me today. Really grateful. Thank you. <laughs> and it really has been a pleasure. Oh, it's it really marvelous. has been a pleasure. Bless you. Thank you. Thank you very much. a lovely man Ashley and I chatted for over an hour after the interview uh, over a pint and a pie in the counting house it was a really enjoyable evening so my thanks to Ashley for taking part you can follow the great man on Twitter at Ashley Gunstock Thanks again to the Counting House pub near Bank Station. They're always very accommodating for this humble podcaster. They've just been refurbished too, and I can't wait to visit again. Give them a like on facebook.com forward slash the Counting House London. Ashley's nominated charity is Crisis, the national charity for homeless people. They help people directly out of homelessness and campaign for the changes needed to solve it all together. You can make a donation via crisis.org.uk. So we've seen PC Robin Frank back in action on the Drama Channel in the early hour-long episodes of Series 1 to 3. And by my calculations, we should be hitting the half-hour episodes very soon. So to celebrate, the next edition of the Bill podcast will be released as two half-hour episodes in the delightful company of Barbara Fawn. Here's an exclusive bonus clip of Barbara being reminded about playing a teacher in Grange Hill. Until next time, thanks for listening and keep watching the Bill. Next time on the Bill Podcast. 
another BBC show uh, yeah. you did before with Bill's Grange Hill. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I can't even remember yeah. what I did then. I think I was you a teacher. A computer teacher. Oh, was I? Yeah. God, I, I wish I was a computer yeah. teacher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't in that for very long, was I? No, I think it was just an episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I couldn't. Now, this is what you do. This is how you turn it on. That would have been it. <laughs> How did you come to be joining the regular cast of The Bill in 1988? What what circumstances led to that? I had an agent and it wasn't working out terribly well with the agent. So I joined what was called a cooperative agency, of which there were quite a few popping up. Julie Waters was a member of one. So the idea was that actors got together... Everything was done very legitimately, but you ran the office or you took turns of doing that. And I happened to be in the office where this casting came through. The Bill, an actress in her early 30s, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So I then said to my colleagues in the office, has anyone put me up for this? (laughs) And they're like, no, you're kidding. No, we haven't. So I said, well, have you got any problem if I put myself up for it? They went, no, you can. So I did put myself... I was very truthful. I didn't big myself up. And next thing I know, I was asked the next day to go in for a meeting. (laughs) 